If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2. They're working with the new mic up here, so it may take them a little while to get it situated. It's driving me crazy right now, to be honest with you, but anyway. I do want to thank Dawn uh, coming and sharing with us this morning about this very important ministry in our, in our county. I hope some of you will make it a matter of prayer about your involvement in that. I mean, let's face it. I'm, I really want you to think about it in this way. Not only uh, was Dawn, Dawn able to help place Bella in the green home, but also place her here in this body. We have the privilege to invest in her young life as a result of God just orchestrating all this in her life and using these people to do that. And I think uh, it's something that we may want to consider, and I, I hope you'll make a matter to pray about that and consider uh, what was discussed here today, and you can talk with them more about it at the end of the service. Well, I do want to thank you for praying for me, uh, for your cards and emails and communications. Uh, I had... Uh, my plan was not to be gone four weeks, I promise you that. And, uh, but I do want to thank Gary and Mike Johnson and also Reggie Sadler for filling in while I was gone. Uh, Reggie, I'm sure, was the most entertaining of us all. But uh, anyway, I do want to thank them and thank you for, uh, for your patience with me over these last four weeks. First John chapter 2. Today we're going to look at something that it, the video kind of introduced. And it's the whole idea of transformation. And what I want us to look at this morning is the whole idea of what does that really look like? Is it something that's testable? Is it something that, that is something that is obvious when it happens? And so look at the introduction there on your outline. How do we know if we really know God? Now, I think there's many people out there. I mean, you turn on the television, you listen to the talk shows, you look at 24-7 uh, news, you look at all these different things, and there's many times there is, are these references to God and how people feel like they're talking from a platform of God and all these different things. And, and what's ironic about it is we hear so many different messages when it comes to that talk about who God is. So how do we know if we really know God? So look at 1 John chapter 2. I want you to look at verse 3. This is going to introduce the thought this morning. Now by this we know that we know him, here it is, if we keep his commandments. That's so vital. I hear over and over again, and 1 John tells us this beautifully. It says, God is love. How many of you, that's one of your favorite verses in the Bible. He's the epitome of love. He's the essence of love. He is love. But what God is more than just love. God is a God who expects obedience in response to the love that he has for us. And so when we only preach or teach half the message, we've totally missed what God's word has to say and what Jesus represented. So what does it say? Verse 3, now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now the phrase know him is more than knowing facts about God but experiencing him. How do you experience God? Well, let me just tell you one way, and John tells us already. We experience him through obedience. When he says this, and we do what he says, that's an experience. Now, keep in this verse, in this context, means to guard carefully or intently. What does it say? Now, by this we know that we know him if we what? If we adhere, if we keep, if we guard the fact that we need to be following him and his commands. The next question on your outline there in the introduction, can we know if we really know him? 
1 John chapter 5. Turn over a couple pages. I want you to see it for yourself. Some of you memorized this verse. But here's what it says. There's certainty to what we're getting ready to say. Verse, verse, uh, 1 John 5 verse 13. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Know. Isn't it amazing how often that word shows up? Not just in John, the uh, first, second, third John. It shows up in the gospel of John. It shows up in all the gospels. The whole idea of no. Y'all, it's so much more, as I said before, than just knowing facts about God. Oh, God, he's the one who created the earth. Oh, God, he's the one that created us. Oh, God, he's the one that does this. His, his character's this way. He's this way. And, and he acts in this way. It's more than that. The word know here, as I've said before, it really speaks of experiential knowledge. Experiential knowledge. Now, look on your outline. Having a relationship with God always, you can put it in capitalization, always involves obedience that produces transformation. Now, let me tell you where the obedience comes from. It comes from that knowledge. It's not just knowing what God expects. It's not just knowing who he is. It's the whole idea that that knowledge becomes our obedience, and through that will come something called transformation. Now, look here on on the screen. The world looks at transformation in different ways. So go ahead and put that picture up there. Now, I don't know if you know what CGI is or whatever it is, but it's where they, they put on a green screen something they want. You know, you know what I'm saying? These big epic movies, you think, man, where did they get that shot from? Well, they just create it with a green screen. So here's your before and here's the after. Would you say there's a pretty big transformation going on there? Oh, yeah. Matter of fact, some of that stuff's really neat to look up. Look it up on the internet and just see what, uh, what it was, a green screen, and what they can create. It's really amazing what Hollywood can create. But look at the next one. How about this? How many of you have seen, seen this before? Biggest loser. You've got uh, the before and the after. How about this next one? Now, that blows my mind right there. I'm just going to be honest with you. But this is the same person. Now, the world would say this is radical transformation. How many of you have seen, there was a show years ago where the husband was tucked away and he didn't get to see his wife for like four to six weeks and all of a sudden there's the grand showing and she comes out and he's like, the man's crying. I mean, there's been such radical transformation. I mean, never mind, I've just, but anyway, you've got some of that going on here. This is the way the world sees transformation. How about this one? (laughs) That is me when I first came here. Okay, this is before, and this is after. Not a whole lot to look at, is it? <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then we have this next one. This is probably one of the most beautiful pictures in nature of transformation that you'll ever find. And we've alluded to it before. It's the whole idea of the caterpillar wrapping itself in its cocoon and coming and becoming a butterfly. Now, how many of you would agree that's transformation? That's transformation. As we've made our way through these different pictures of what transformation can look like, let me just tell you about the transformation that God offers. It it, it is beyond anything that we've looked at. Totally beyond the world's transformation. Totally beyond even nature's transformation. When, When transformation, listen, happens within an individual, it is truly a miracle of God. 
Let me tell you why I know that. I've, I've run into wives who've said, yeah, my husband got saved, and I don't even recognize the man anymore. He doesn't respond to anything the way he used to respond. He's got patience with me. He, he's not perfect, but I'm telling you, he's not the same person. That is a miracle of God. That is a miracle that God is doing in an individual. That is transformation, biblical transformation. Listen, to the, well, look on your outline, definition of transformation. It's both the act and process of being transformed. A change in form, nature, and character. That means everything about that person changes. changes. Now, let me say this. When it says act and process, when it comes to our transformation, there is an act that takes place. There is that moment in which we say yes to Jesus. It's in that moment when we come to God on God's terms, and that's through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How do we respond to that? By believing and by repenting. By repenting means I'm turning my back on the world. That is the before shot of my life. And now I'm beginning to build the after shot of my life. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And it's a work that can only be done by God. So how does God do this? He does it through the Holy Spirit. By the way, none of you know God unless the Holy Spirit's revealed himself to, to you through him. That doesn't happen unless that, that's in play. But then let me tell you what happens. Then the word of God becomes that instrument in which God uses the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, to bring transformation. The whole idea of transformation, can I put it in a nutshell? It's the whole idea in which we begin not obeying the needs and desires of the flesh, but we begin to to pay attention and turn our thoughts to the Spirit and what God has for us and lining our lives up, not only by how the Holy Spirit's leading us, by the, but also by the Word of God. Let me tell you, we live in a very dangerous time when it comes to the way people are handling the Word of God. There's a lot of people out there who are out there saying, well, yeah, we, we see what God's Word says. I mean, it's obvious it's right there, but I'm not so sure that they, I'm not so sure he really meant that because, boy, I tell you, over here, I really feel like this is who I am. And this is, and I know it's contrary over there, but I'm willing to say, yeah, I'll pick and choose what I want to believe. But over here, I'm just, I'm going to go with this. That's a very dangerous place. What you're literally doing is you're basically saying, I'm going to change, rewrite, tell God what I'm willing to do, what I'm willing to believe, and what I'm not willing to believe or do. Very dangerous place. Those are not, by the way, let me just tell you this. Those are not the terms in which God deals with us. Now, listen, we may, we're not perfect people. You're not looking at a perfect person standing up here in front of you. This is a person who does make mistakes. This is a person that has a bad attitude every once in a while. This is a person who, who makes bad decisions at times. But here's one thing about who I am in Christ. I don't ever want to get to the point where I'm over here trying to defend my sin and rationalize my sin in such a way that God's word becomes what I want it to say. I still, in my, in my weakness, in my moments in which I don't choose the ways of God, in which I, I act out in rebellion, I am still this person who always wants to know that that is the standard. Not where I want to move the standard. That is the standard for my life. Even when I make those mistakes. So there's so many people in our world today that wants to set the terms for which, in which God deals with them. And y'all, dangerous place to be. Transformation, listen, comes God's way. It comes through his spirit and through his word, through his word. 
Now, John gives us three tests concerning transformation in a person's life. I will get through this. Trust me, okay? Test number one, walking in him. Walking in him. To walk in Christ, listen, is the evidence of one's profession. Many profess Christ, but do not live out that profession. Bunch of people out there saying, I know Jesus. I love Jesus. But their life, their walk, how they conduct themselves is very contrary. Now, let me just say this. There were times this past week where I lived contrary to the word of God. But I'm here to tell you this. I wasn't comfortable living there. You know why? Because the one that creates the transformation, the Holy Spirit of God living in my life, won't let me be comfortable there. I will struggle with it or I'll try to deceive myself otherwise. And so there's that whole idea that God is bringing this transformation. It means I'm walking with him. So first of all, let's look at a false profession. Did you know that the Bible talks about a false profession? Did you know more literally that Jesus talked about a false, uh, a false profession? First of all, let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 4. It says this. John says, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. Is that pretty strong language? Oh, yeah. You know, it's amazing the way people want to represent God in this day and age. They only want to talk about these things. God is love. He's bubbly. He's, he's just so in love with me. I mean, I, I, he, I'm sure he thinks at times, how could he do without me? And, and <laughs> I mean, there's that thought and, and it's out there and it's prevalent. But listen to this. This is difficult. They only want to see and hear what they want to hear and what they want to see. But here's what it says. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And then it says, and the truth is not in him. The truth is not evident in him. They're living a lie. They say this, but it's a lie. You mean you can deceive yourself? Well, let's look at what Jesus said. Jesus told those who gathered around him, here's what he says. I think this is one of the most haunting verses in the Bible. Here's what it says. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. I want you to look at that. Lord, Lord. Is that a proper way of, introduce, uh, of introducing Jesus? Most definitely. He's Lord. But there are those who are out there saying the right things. Lord, what does Lord imply? Oh, I'm surrendering my life to you. It's, it's your word. It's the standard for my life. It's how I'm living my life. Lord, you're calling the shots. They're saying the right thing. But guess what? Jesus said they won't see heaven. It's a false profession. He goes on. So how do you see heaven? He who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. The will of the Father matches the word that we hold. The will of the Father is carried out by the leadership of the Holy Spirit in this world. And that includes the work that's being done within us. That is transformation. And with transformation, if there's truly transformation, there is not a false profession. So John is talking about living a lie, saying one thing, living another, or picking and choosing what you desire to live out. Second of all, here's another one. Walking in him, there's also what is known as a true profession. Now, 
John turns his reader's attention to the true profession of truly knowing God. When we come to know Christ, listen to this, everything changes. We are transformed, both the act and the process which leads, look on your outline, to the obedient man, the obedient man. Now think about this. I come to know Jesus. I come on his terms. Bible says the Holy Spirit of God comes to indwell me. Now, Who's the one that started the process? We've already said it. Holy Spirit. Who's the one that's going to bring, closure to, bring us to the point in which we're saved? The Holy Spirit's going to lead us. He's going to point out those things that need repentance. Those things that we need to, in our, in our before shot, that needs to become in our after shot. Well, we're turning away from those things, and we're turning to those things in which God has for us. So, so what, here's what you need to understand. He is leading the process Transformation is always, it always starts with obedience. First John chapter two, look at verse five. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this, we know that we are in him. Now, let me say this. When, anytime you see the word know in scripture, it speaks of intimate, experiential knowledge. How many of you say that's different than knowing facts about someone? How many of you know that? I know a lot of facts about my wife, okay? She probably doesn't want me to stand up here and tell you those facts. But I know a lot of the facts about her. But let me say this. I don't only know facts about her. I know experientially about her. I know intimately about her. And, and so there's a big difference between those things. So, so he's talking about from that will come this evidence of growing. Now look back at verse 5. It says the love of God perfected in him. The word perfected in this context does not mean a final destination has been reached. Perfected, when we think, oh, that one has been perfected. In, in our language, the way we would look at that is it has reached its limit. It has reached perfection. Okay? How many of you, how many of you ever met people that thought that they had reached perfection? Okay, yeah, I see them a lot. But anyway, <laughs> but, but, but they're there. The word perfection here is not what that means here. It's not implying a, a final destination. It's the state of growing and maturing. Now, one day, let me say this, it will be perfected. Did you know that? See him face to face, leave this body behind, will be perfected. So there's a promise associated here, but there's a process that's going on. Now, look back at verse 5 again. He says, by this, we know that we are in him. Again, it's evidence of a growing and maturing relationship. The only way we can really know someone is to be with them and grow with them. The experiential knowledge. I remember some years ago, I think it was back in 2009, the world mourned the death of a pop icon, Michael Jackson. Remember Michael passing? I remember all the different things and how the live TV coverage, I mean, it covered everything from the ambulance going to the hospital to the hearse. I mean, and all of a sudden you saw people lined the streets and, and what were they doing? They were crying and they were, they were mourning. And I mean, you, I mean, it's amazing what you see with people in, in that. Now, now, here's what we need to understand. Many in mourning, mourning excuse me, even crying on TV had never met Michael Jackson. You know that, right? Never met the man. Yet, they talked about their love for him. Michael Jackson did not know them, but they claimed they knew him. 
with their tears, with their words of admiration, but they did not walk with him. They did not know him intimately and experientially. Y'all, it doesn't matter how many times we admire who God is. It doesn't matter how many times we cry over being moved by something. If we truly don't know him, we don't know him. And there's a big difference between the two. And so when we look at our lives and we say, okay, what is the test of that God is doing something in my life? What is the test that I can really know that I know that I know him? It's walking in him. The person who truly knows God will walk in obedience with him, which will produce transformation. Next, walking in him. We see a true profession. It leads to the obedient man, but second of all, to the abiding man. 1 John chapter 2, look at verse 6. He who says... He abides in him, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Now, how many of you would say, that's a pretty high standard there? Would you say Jesus walked pretty high? <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about, you're talking about perfection. Perfection was always in his walk. And so you're sitting there and you're trying to understand. So it says, he who abides in him. Now, let's look at this idea of abides. That's a big deal in Scripture. Okay, here's what abides means. It means you find your joy in him. You find your strength in him. You find your identity in him. Your whole life is in him. That's what it means to abide in him. You know why many of us don't experience joy? We're looking for it in places that you'll never find it. It can only be found in abiding in him. It, It can only be there. And that's the reason you have those who are, who, who are at death's door, who, who still, I mean, it's obvious they're about to pass from this world and go into the next, and it's so obvious, but there's such hope there. There's that whole idea that, that God is going to deliver them. In many cases, there's a joy in knowing that they're getting ready to go to be with the Lord. Great evidence that that person is abiding in him. So how, do we, how, did, how did Jesus walk? Listen to this. He followed the heart of God. He gave himself to others. He cared for others. He forgave others. He served others. Jesus said this. Listen to this, John 15. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. You know what that says? There will be evidence everywhere. Evidence, you'll see it. For without me, you can do nothing. To abide in Christ is to remain in him. Not not a temporary superficial attachment, but a permanent deep connection. Not that perfection has happened, happened over here. Your aftershot will always have imperfections in it. But the whole idea is that I don't react the same to those imperfections. There's something different about me. I can't be settled with it. I want to know him. I want to continue to know him. And I want to know him on his terms. That's what it means to abide in him. Next, not only walking in him, but loving in him. Now, let me say this. Love is a true mark of a genuine believer. It is. Love. Now, I'm not talking about a love that never confronts when it needs to confront. Did you know that you could love someone intently when you confront them with their life sometimes? You can can be loving them more with someone not speaking into their life by speaking into their life. The tough things. Now, we don't enjoy it, but that's love. 
Love is not just this sappy thing of, oh, I accept you, you accept me, let's go hug on a cloud somewhere and hope a rainbow shows up. No, that's not what it's all about. It's about living out God's word. It's about knowing him and what he expects. Look at verse 7, brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment. Which you, have had, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. He's basically telling us about an old commandment. You know what the old commandment he's referring to? We know it's that whole idea of loving God with every being of who you are. But it's not only that, it's also loving your neighbor as yourself. So look at what he says. We have the old commandment. Now the new commandment, love. First John chapter 2, look at verse 8. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Now, go back to where it says which thing is true in him and, and in you. It means truth. When we start living truth, when we start seeking the heart of God, all of a sudden that truth becomes, we become the truth. We begin to live the truth. The truth is in us. We, we, when we see things that are not truth, we recognize that. When we walk in the light, listen to this. When you walk in the light, you recognize the darkness. The problem with many Christians today is they don't recognize the darkness. And they get sucked in so easily. You know why? Because they're not walking in the fullness of his light. And the only way you can do that is to live obedient, live a life of surrender, live a life grounded in his word, and allow the Holy Spirit to produce that work in you. That's what it's all about. Now, look at verse 8. He says, the darkness is passing away. Listen to this. When we love as Christ intended, the darkness in our lives begins to disappear. When we do anything, he started with love because love's the greatest. When you, don't, when you have no love, you have nothing. He, he uses that as an example. But when we do anything that's within God's will, when we do anything in walking obedience and surrender, guess what? We are walking in light. Let me ask you a simple question. How many of you have ever seen somebody walk in darkness? You ever watched it? Some of us have had to watch our children walk in darkness, our grandchildren. And it grieves us. It breaks our heart. And we look at some of the decisions that they're making. We look at some of the, they, they profess this. It's what we've always tried to teach them, but they seem to be living over here. And, and, and we know, how many of you sometimes you know what the outcome's going to be? It breaks your heart. What he's saying is when we begin to walk in obedience and surrender, the darkness begins to pass away. We begin to see it for what it is. We begin to see it as God sees it. You see, lies will be replaced with truth. Let me tell you what's wrong with the modern church today. It's made up with people who no longer know the truth or no longer want to believe the truth. You know why a lot of people won't read the Bible? They're afraid of what it will say. I'm convinced of it. You know what I hear all the time? Well, I don't really understand what I'm reading. and I'm just afraid I'll get confused and misinterpret it. Read the Bible. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. We're, I'm going to give you an example. I've got a theological degree. I've got seven years of education stemmed around Scripture and education of Scripture. Let me tell you one thing. We've been doing a Bible study here on Wednesday nights for who knows how long. We're, we're, we're in 2 Corinthians right now. Now, you may think, boy, you, you're pretty stupid to be up there talking about. Anyway, 
there's things that are being brought out in the scripture and 2 Corinthians that we're studying verse by verse. Had no idea they were in there. I've read the Bible through many times. Many times. Let me tell you what happens. <laughs> At least this is what happens with me and I've heard many of you talk about it. When we surrender our lives to the truth of God's word and we begin to read that word, there's going to be times in which we're reading it and it's almost like the Holy Spirit has a spotlight. And when we come to something in there that God really wants to reveal to our hearts, all of a sudden that light comes on. And all of a sudden you're sitting there and it hits you. And you see it and you're like, wow, I've always read this, but I have never seen that. That is transformation. That's the beginnings of transformation. That's where God is directing the transforming work of your heart and your life. There's sometimes I read scripture, I'm just going to tell you, it doesn't appear a light comes on. Some of you are sitting there saying, well, it's because you're lost in your sin, buddy. Well, <laughs> I've been there too. I've been there too. But, but no, what it is, is there's those times where God says, no, here, here's where we are. Now, I'm not one of those that says, okay, God, speak to me, open my Bible. Bam, go hang yourself. <laughs> Don't believe that. I believe God can speak and he's such a big God that if we just say, hey, we're going to do a verse-by-verse verse study or whatever, and we get in there and God's leading us and directing us, he'll get his word across. He does it every time. And you can count on that work in your life. All right, I said I was going to get through it, so we're going to go quick. Test number two, loving in him, the conflicting contrast of love and hate. There's always, listen to this, look at verse nine. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. That means you're living there. That is your residence. That's, you're in darkness. If someone comes and offends you, hurts you in such a way that you grow bitter and cold and start living contrary to God's word, guess what? All of a sudden, you're at risk to be deceived. How would you be deceived? The world can deceive you. Do you know that? Do you, do you know? This is what's so sad about the condition of the church today. The world has more influence over the church right now than the church has over the world. Look around. You see what I'm saying? And it's not the church making it up. A good Bible-believing church is holding to the word, attempting to live it out. It's not easy. Not trying to be judgmental, but sounding the warning to the culture. This is God's word. This is where we need to be living and, and, and demonstrating that in a loving way. So what do we have? Love produces light. Look at verse 10. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. That means you're seeing things the way they are. You're not hung up with what's happened to you. You're not hung up with, with things that when, when there's hatred in your heart. Next, hate produces darkness. We've already seen this. Look at verse 11. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going. You know what that means? He's lost, he's confused, and he's frustrated. Have I ever been there? I have. Have you been there? You have. But when we allow the things of this world and another person to come into our life, steal our joy, hurt us in such a way that all of a sudden the only thing we see is us and how we've been affected and our rights have been violated, all of a sudden we don't, we don't see what God wants us to see at that point. The spiritually blind cannot see the hand of God in their lives. Next, growing in him. Growing to be more like Christ. 
Let me show you what that looks like. I'm going to let you have a little Bible study on your own here. Peter instructed believers to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul instructed believers to be imitators of Christ. The only way you can be an imitator of Christ is to study Christ, to know Christ. So he talks to the new convert, the new convert. He, he tells them, he says, you know, that, that there's some things you need to get straight. There's things you need to turn over to him. Then he talks to the mature convert, the mature convert. He talks about the fathers and those who've gone before us and how they can speak into our lives. And then he talks about the embattled convert. You know what that is? That's a person who's moving from the new convert to the mature uh, convert. And in that process, they're battling. How many of you realize that when you got saved, you entered into a battle? You did. You did. And it's important for us to recognize that. Next, I want to close with this. Look at the application. Do you truly have a relationship with God through Jesus? Do you really know him? The Bible says you can know him. The Bible says you can have assurance that you know him. Next, is there evidence that transformation has taken place in you? We're not going to have a conventional invitation this morning. I've kind of run out of time. So I just want you to bow your heads right there where you are and close your eyes. Don't, don't look around because I want you to focus on you right now and I want to ask you a couple questions and then we'll pray and close number one when's the last time you saw God really move in your life when's the last time was it last week when something came out of nowhere and came into your life that totally blew you away but all of a sudden, it was the peace and presence of God in your life, and you just saw things, and you were almost shocked at how you responded to it. That, that's transformation, y'all. That's God doing a work in your life. Or maybe you're someone that's sitting here today, and you, you, you have to be honest, and you have to say, you know something? I remember years ago, I gave my heart to the Lord. All of a sudden, I started taking Bible classes. I began to understand who I am in Christ, where my identity used to be. Man, my life was just taken off. I saw things so clearly. But that hasn't happened in a long time. Or maybe you're that person that you're here today and you've allowed something to come into your life that it's not what happened to you, it's what you did to yourself. Things that you open yourself up to that you shouldn't open yourself up to. Thoughts, images, whatever it may be. You know what I'm talking about. And today you're sitting here and you're, you're assured that you know him because there was that time in which you saw that growth man, just taken off in your life and all of a sudden this came into your life. The growth stopped. Everything just stopped right there. And right now you would describe where you are right now with no joy, just constant frustration, no peace. Can I tell you right now that that's a good sign? You may not feel like it is. That's a good sign. That means the Holy Spirit of God is not going to let you be settled in that situation. He wants you to start over. He, where, listen, where you went off track is where you got to go back to, and you got to repent and come back to where you were. That happens all the time. I've seen it take place in my own life. But you got to go back. We'll ask the ushers to come forward if they would.
Father, we just come to you right now. And